The following program contains coarse language and nudity. Discretion is advised. Hey, thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Trans Advocate Podcast. My name is Kristen Williams, and today we have a guest podcaster, which is... Ali Lozano. All right, and... Alexis. Alexis. I'm not a guest. Am I a guest? No, you are not a guest. <laughs> Absolutely I, I, not. I might like to be a guest. And unfortunately, no, we wait, don't wait, have... a street guest. I forgot that. <laughs> we don't have Robin today. Robin had some stuff going on, some family stuff. Um, she's definitely in our thoughts today. Um, so, you know, what we generally do, we have the headlines. and um, But before we do the headlines, we're going to do our Trans Advocate Q&A. The Trans Advocate Q&A is a segment where we answer your questions. If you'd like to submit a question, go to our contact page at transadvocate.com and send it in. Today's question is, quote, Is it responsible or okay that I'm taking a hiatus from trans advocacy? Answering today's question is Kristen Williams, and she writes, My short and very unnuanced answer is, of course. Neglecting ourselves while giving to everyone else isn't compassion. The circle of true compassion extends to oneself as well as others. We cannot give from a dry well. The trick is finding balance and honoring the truth of where we're at and what we have the capacity to do. Having said that, here's the more nuanced answer. Our culture makes being trans a political act, and in this way, all acts of self-care we undertake are, in a very real way, acts of political resistance. Everything, and I do mean everything, regarding our trans experience is open to debate, reinterpretation, and misrepresentation by a culture that, in no small way, resents our existence. Our culture is all too eager to redefine our existence for us. Addressing this situation, a condition that every trans person finds themselves in, is, on the most fundamental of levels, an act of trans advocacy. Upon choosing to exist, We are immediately forced to confront the falsehoods our culture tells us about what it means to be trans. Merely existing as trans in this culture is, in no small way, a political act. It is to embody the truth that the radical black poet, Aimé Césaire, spoke of in his poem, A Tempest. Prospero, you are the master of illusion. Lying is your trademark, and you have lied so much to me. Lied about the world, lied about me that you have ended by opposing on me an image of myself. Underdeveloped, you brand me, inferior. That's the way you have forced me to see myself. I detest that image. What's more, it's a lie. But now I know you, you old cancer, and I know myself as well. Doing the emotional work of clearly seeing both the caricature and the truth of who and what we are is not an easy task. Because this task is a response to the way our culture seeks to define us, it is, at its essence, an act of true trans advocacy, which is to say, an act of true compassion. The lesbian feminist Audre Lorde famously said, quote, Caring for myself is not self-indulgence. It is self-preservation, and that is an act of political warfare. In this way, a more complicated answer, which is to say a more honest answer, is that as long as our culture seeks to destroy who we know ourselves to be, existence is synonymous with advocacy, which is synonymous with true compassion. We cannot run from this primary work of activism by losing ourselves in the various social movements that are always in need of volunteers. That isn't true advocacy. In fact, it's an act of self-erasure. 
we must commit to doing our own emotional work. This is, perhaps, the most important political act any trans person can undertake. Above and beyond that, true trans advocacy means knowing that everyone can be compassionate in ways that are respectful of themselves and of their community. For some, that might look like helping to set up a trans support group. For others, it might look like being there for someone at 3 in the morning because that person really needs to talk to another who gets it. For others, it might look like lobbying, giving support to trans organizations, or just speaking up when they see injustice. True trans advocacy is about being conscious of what we do. It's not about blind reaction. It's not about hiding out in movements, neglecting the very things we must do to not only live, but thrive. Attending to the political work of doing what we must to ensure our continued existence in a world that seeks our eradication is the beating heart of trans advocacy. As a trans advocate, I encourage you to listen closely to your heart. I wonder if y'all have heard about the president's stuff last, you know, this last week. It was all about, uh, you know, Porter. Um, and... Oh, but, 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 but hang on. Okay. He made it all better today. Oh, he did said he? he absolutely oh, does no. not support abuse of uh, families and spouses and all like that. He does not support that. And it, everyone it only, knew this all it along. It only took him a week. And, and to, he didn't to need to say it because it was so obvious. Oh, okay. That's quoting that, him. But that was obvious whenever, you know, the news was showing the picture of the battered woman with the black eye and cross-sectioning that with uh, Trump saying, you know, he's a good guy. You know, we all liked him. He, he, the the guy that we knew would do nothing like that, and this is just an allegation. And how all other men's lives are being ruined. By, oh yes, by these yes, 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 well. yes. At that point, I don't think it was so obvious. <laughs> now, now he indicated it was, but you know, I didn't get it. <laughs> and, and you know, we can never forget that uh, you know at least sixteen other women have accused our president of either sexually assaulting or molesting uh, their persons. Um, and his response was the same as, as it is every time, like they're whenever uh, Rob Moore, you know, he's like, well, you know, he said that didn't happen. So therefore it didn't happen. And, it, and I'm saying all those 16 women, they're all lying about me. They're it, all out to get it, me. It occurs to me that there's a, a little word you used in there that seems to go with his comments all the time that is he said <laughs> and i actually read this morning it's uh it's about 20 women over 20 really yes holy hell yeah. i wonder if they all got one hundred and thirty thousand dollars yes. from some anonymous lawyer <laughs> who came out of his own pocket nothing came oh, from trump yeah, yeah you're talking about the porn star the alleged porn, oh, porn star. Oh, yes, alleged porn star. I, I saw that the alt right had put out this like fake confection letter that supposedly supposedly Stormy had written, where she's like, "Oh, I've never, and I would never, and and all of this is fake." Ah, that's what the thirty thousand was for. The hundred was just basically to be quiet. The thirty thousand was for the cover no, she, letter. She I guess she came out later and she was like, "Yeah, no, that is not my signature. I did not write that." <laughs> I mean, this administration is just crazy. It's almost to the point where talking about their lies makes no sense. It's like, find something that was true. That's the real news these days. Well, so interestingly, Stormy, since you bring her up, she is claiming to the press that she is now free to talk about everything since she believes that 
Trump violated his own in non-discrim- uh, non-disclosure yeah. agreement. So since he started talking about it, that frees her up to talk about it. So there oh you go. <laughs> if it's like the rest of them, there's just nothing to talk about, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, before we get to trans news, I do want to remind everyone that the primary is March 6th. Runoffs are May's 22nd. And you need to be registered to vote by April 23rd, if you're going to vote in the runoffs. You can go to thetransadvocate.com to uh, learn more about registration. If your state allows um, online registration, you'll be able to do it right there at the Trans Advocate. And if it doesn't, it will give you instructions on how to fill out um, your voter registration, help you with that process. So, uh, And early voting actually starts here in Texas next week. No way. We're less than six, a week six away. Six days. Five days, six days. Six days oh right my now. Six days. It's Next weird. Tuesday. It, I, I swear, January came around and it felt like it was already November. Like, it's election time. Everything's <laughs> Because hot. we have 4,000 candidates or something <laughs> running. And I had to interview most of them. I also want to flag, if you live in an area that was flooded during Harvey, mm. uh, there is a possibility that your polling location is actually uh, uh, either not in existence this year or uh it's not safe to actually go in so they currently the county has a a polling location in Meyerland that is full of black mold and is set to be demolished in march i don't know whether before or after election day so if you're in a area that was affected by harvey i would check out your polling location and, just be prepared and is it for true that, that you know in early voting you can go to anywhere anywhere so anywhere. definitely vote early and, yeah. and you know it's much easier honestly and you don't so have to worry about it what you're talking about are not the these are the primary elections that is you're you're looking to vote for who you feel will best support your community when looking for a candidate is that correct Correct. This is primaries. And then there's Democratic primaries and Republican primaries. And generally they vote the same place, but not always. What about other parties? They don't generally have primaries. Um, Green Party has sort of a pseudo caucus type primary. And ah. I think Libertarian does the same thing the, hmm. the, where they select their candidates differently. Now, probably you're going to vote three times this year. You're uh, probably wait, gonna, wait, wait. Three times. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, oh, so, my so, gosh. So, so, That's so, just so, way too much. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, you know, so some of the people are going to have to cut down their votes, the ones that have been voting like 30 or 40 times <laughs> using different names. But but generally, most of us are going to end up voting three times if we vote in the primary because we'll vote in the primary. There's so many people running that an awful lot of the elections Runoff. are going to have runoffs. Right, right, And right. so then you go, get to go vote again, hopefully for your same candidate if you got the right one to begin with. And then after that... You get the two parties and all of the independents and the Green Party and the Libertarian Party and any other parties that have decided they want to exist that goes into the general election. And every one of these ballots, the first and the last ballot, are going to have a whole lot of names on them. So you really got to pay attention. And I don't care if it's three times or 300 times. The reality is... Uh, our queer kids are suffering because a lot of people last election decided that, you know, it's just not a big issue if, you know, our queer kids suffer in school. If they get bullied in school, if our trans kids get bullied in school, it's not a big deal, you know, whatever, you know. 
And the truth is, these kids can't vote for themselves. They can't vote and try to protect themselves. They have to rely upon our own community doing what's right. And what we need you to do is vote. Vote in the primaries, vote in the runoffs, vote in the elections. That's not a hard thing to do. Get some friends together, go vote together, but do it. And if you don't do it for yourself, or if you think you're just too edgy to, you know, consider voting, then fucking think about what it was like for you as a kid in school, unprotected. You know, the Trump administration has declared open season on queer kids. They're not trying, they're not protecting queer kids. And if we want that to happen, we have to vote. So please, this year, get off off your ass, grab some friends, go vote, work to protect our kids. And if you're worried about voting and you're worried about maybe having some problems at the polls, my suggestion is if you're around the Houston area, go to West Gray. There will be people there yeah. all the time. Yeah. If anything yeah, it's starts, it's just a big party. <laughs> yeah, it big, really big is. Party. It really and, is. <laughs> and there's news media there every minute that the polls uh. are open. So everyone behaves very well. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. It's like whenever I go there to vote, it's like I get off my Harley. I'm walking in there and doing high fives with everybody and hugging. Like you know, people run in to vote. It's it's great. And you know, the entire I usually go like the first day so there's a bit of a line and it's just like this whole party in a line and everyone's talking laughing it's it's a great experience i'll be there on the 20th as soon as i get up and get out and it's like you know (laughs) there will be a long line and that's perfectly fine because i know half the people yes (laughs) and so i understand you know if if you are confused about you know candidates and stuff there are lots of groups around that Uh, look at candidates that rate candidates. Um, I know the LGBT political caucus is one of them. There's a a young Republican uh, group that does the same thing. There's lots of groups around. Just, you know, whatever your political affiliation, go ahead and spend five minutes on the Google and uh, look up, you know, Look look up the people that you're uh, looking to vote for. And one of the neat things this year is we have a bunch of great candidates. There have been some years that you go through and you're like, it's really hard to find oh, someone God, to vote no. for. <laughs> you're mainly voting against and hoping that it gets better. This year, that's one of the problems. One of the races, uh, I've screened a lot of candidates for GOBT political caucus. One of the races is TX07. We ended up not endorsing anyone for the primaries because there were just too many good candidates. And oh, in wow. Fact, we're trying to make sure people understand this wasn't a we didn't endorse because we didn't like them. We didn't endorse there because so many good there ones. were so many good ones. <laughs> we couldn't make up our mind. And it was pretty heavy with the caucus trying to make up their mind during the whole thing. I, I like, like to say that Donald Trump is the best community organizer that ever happened in the Democratic <laughs> Party. It's a really phenomenal oh, yeah. organizer. He's the Chauncey Gardner. Yeah. Like, community but, organizer. But, but, like, but, I've, but, been, I've been organizing in Democratic politics for years, and he did it quicker than I ever could have. Yeah, but, but can we find a way to set him off to the side where he has no authority while he's doing this that's the problem with it because I I know Allie works for like one of the TX07 candidates well I was about to mention you know I understand that you're um, you know campaigning with a certain campaign you're doing some political work why why are you involved why are why did you decide to get involved with political campaigns get involved with a caucus become active 
Yes. So I uh, I actually started my um, political activism and, and organizing back when I was an undergraduate student in uh, Washington, mm. D.C. I actually met a group of LGBT activists in front of the White House. Um, it was during the fight for Don't Ask, Don't Tell repeal. And Dan Choi and other LGBT veterans had chained themselves to the White House hey, fence. Hey, 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 hey. Yeah. Let me part, pause you right there. You will have seen um, on the end of that was um, Autumn Sandine, yes. one of the tr- uh, trans advocate Love co-editors. Uh, she had changed herself up there too. Yes, yeah. I love mm-hmm. Autumn. Uh, love, love Autumn. Yeah, so she was she was in, involved in that group, and I I got involved with them when I was my gosh nineteen. I had just come out, um, so I was incredibly depressed, and you know mm-hmm. thought that my life was over. And then I met this group of ac- activists, completely changed my life. And so when I got involved with them, that's when I got very uh, into into politics. Um, LGBT organizing so that has continued I'm a former board member of the of the caucus here um and former staffer of the gay and lesbian victory fund and yes as, as Alexis was saying the the uh district seven race for for congress here um has a ton of can has seven candidates seven for the seventh mm-hmm. um and, and that's on the democratic side there's just more on, on the, the republican dem- just side on the too. democratic side mm-hmm. yeah yeah <laughs> And uh, a, yeah, a lot of great candidates. I live in that district. Um, so, so what area is that district? It is Bel Air, Katy, uh, Bunker mm-hmm. Hill, Jersey Village, mm-hmm. uh, Meyerland. Uh, if you take a, if, so if you flooding Google, is not an issue there, right? <laughs> yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yes, yes. Flooding, flooding prevention, infrastructure have been huge issues for the district. Um, I, I live in the district, and so I, the, the reason. Mostly the reason that I'm involved in this specific race is because I obviously took a very personal interest in, Mm -hmm. you know, who Mm -hmm. was going to be representing me, especially after Harvey. Um, Water came up to my door. I didn't flood, thankfully, but Mm -hmm. I did have to evacuate. And, you know, the current Republican incumbent um, has been awful in terms of his response to Harvey and and what he's been advocating for in in terms of aid for us in in D.C. So we're ready for a new That that would be John Culbertson, who, if if you don't remember anything else, that's not the box you want to check. <laughs> yeah, just my there's, opinion. There's, uh, yeah, it, and and it's not just that he's Republican. I mean, at, at the Unity Committee, uh, the Unity Banquet, we gave awards to a couple of Republicans who did some fantastic work. Uh, Ed, what is his name? Ed, Ed Emmett. Ed Emmett. Uh, Joe Strauss. Yeah, yeah. Ed Emmett. Whenever it came to the flood, mm-hmm. he was fantastic at responding to the need in the community and making sure that people weren't discriminating uh, against people in need. And that was fantastic. But then we have people like Republicans who are like Culberson, who apparently they're not very engaged. No. Yes, we've actually, I've, I mean, I've met a few Republicans, you know, just by working on this campaign who, who have said, and they're so upset just about flooding situations alone and I mean he hadn't come back to the district since like March mm-hmm. um he hadn't been back to the district oh, really? in a really long time <laughs> yeah and so I mean I've been meeting some Republicans who are who are also saying anyone but Culberson literally anyone uh-huh. like they don't even they don't even care who it is they're just they're they're ready for for some new blood so. <laughs> okay so that is that why you decided to run after Harvey was that a major issue 
Oh, God, I'm I not mean, running. not running, but, you know, get no, involved you. with, with a uh, candidate. Okay, we've avoided saying Laura's name. Come on. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, I'm Laura waiting. Moser. I'm like, come on. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yes, so I'm, I'm working as the, the outreach director for Laura Moser, yeah. Um, well, so so I, I knew that I took a personal interest, obviously, in this specific race because I, I live in the district. Um, and also, but like like everyone else in, you know, the, the city of Houston, I said, oh, my God, there's seven Democrats running, seven qualified Democrats. What do I do? I have no idea. Mm-hmm. So I um, after a significant amount of research and um, talking to trusted friends of mine who knew um, either, you know, more about certain issues than I did or who knew some of the other candidates a little bit more than I did uh, per, in, in a professional sense, um, I made my decision and I went with Laura Moser. Hmm. Okay. And, and the interesting thing is that quite literally when we screened, we spent hours and hours and hours trying to decide among them. We all agree on where everyone stands. We all agree on their strengths and weaknesses. Hmm. And we went round and round and round. And every time we would think we were narrowing it down, someone would switch and say, you know, I think <laughs> I've got to switch too. And and this happened for over five hours of thinking in four different meetings. And so we, when we, for the caucus, uh, Senate or made our recommendation, we left it up to the will of the body who spent another hour and 45 minutes deciding they couldn't decide. <laughs> I thought it was three hours. It seemed like forever. It felt like 300 hours. Yeah, it did. <laughs> yes. but it, it was actually, it was an hour and 45 minutes of actual deliberation after we finished the questioning of me, <laughs> which, and, and you know, what that really says is exactly what we saw. We have just way too many really, really, really good candidates. And something else that has um, really excited me, you know, because I, I moved to Texas. I'm not I'm not from Houston originally. I'm actually I'm from L.A., which is weird to me. Um, <laughs> none of my family understands wow, what I'm still doing here. Wow, that's not a Texas here. accent? Definitely not a Texas <laughs> accent. Uh, <laughs> well, what are you talking about? I hear a Texas accent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and so, you know, moving to, to Texas, going from elected officials in California to mm-hmm. Texas, quite the culture shock, as you can imagine. I mean, I've been here five years now. Um, are you more liberal? Is that what it is? A little <laughs> bit more blue there. Just, oh. a, just a tad. Yeah. Just, just a, a tad. Just a little bit. <laughs> Um, and so, uh, and, and, you know, I, I worked the Houston Equal Rights Ordinance campaign. I've been very involved with, with LGBT groups here in, here in Houston. And, and something else that has excited me about, about Laura, um, is that her, uh, her brother is, they're 11 months apart. Um, he's gay and her sister, um, is trans. So she has a a trans Mm -hmm. sister and a gay brother. And so she has just, uh, been very... Um, relentless and un- unapologetic about her support for the community and the the thought of having a representative in my district who is very protective of our mm-hmm. community because our community is literally their family makes me a little gives me feelings you know right, makes me a little right. emotional gives <laughs> me some feelings I don't like well, to I don't like I to mean, feel well, if I don't have to but. you mentioned <laughs> that you were involved in the you know hero battle and for those of you do, that don't know hero stands for the Houston Equal Rights Ordinance. And it was defeated here in Houston uh, based on a a political narrative that goes something like this. If trans people have equal rights, women will be raped. And kids. kids. Women and and kids. kids. Yes, women and kids will be raped. No men in women's restrooms was Mm -hmm. their their signature. And, you know, I've mentioned this before, but the first time I heard that, I was very young. We were 
it, they had substituted in blacks instead mm-hmm. of trans. Mm-hmm. And then we had women come in during when the ERA was up. The ERA. The, the, the same a, thing. It's all the same words. They just swap out the names. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it's worked. And so we just need to fix it I've so it doesn't this, work anymore. I've got some anti-ERA stuff from the 70s. And it's hilarious. It's uh, like they say the exact same thing. They said, if the ERA passes, all bathrooms will be co-ed. Men will be able to hang out in the women's and, restroom, and we and have you to know protect our women and then. children. Yeah, and we'll yeah, exactly like those helpless said, things. Yeah, yes. they said the same thing about what? HIV people with oh, yes, HIV, yes, uh, LGBT LGB people, especially in the army. If you look at the Pentagon's report on Don't Ask, Don't Tell, oh, yeah. they said oh, that yeah. that was the number one concern. Uh, I'm using scare quotes around uh, concern. Um, that, uh, you know, LGB people would be in the bathrooms and the showers kind of, you know, enjoying themselves too much. And, and yeah, and, you know, one of the things about it with the military that I've never understood, these are people who spend a good part of their life with guns <laughs> and live ammunition <laughs> and backing up people. It doesn't matter. I, I'm sorry. I don't think they mess with each other too terribly much. I mean, they do sometimes, <laughs> Well, so, you know, along that so, the same lines, uh, anyone here heard the name Jesse Mahan before? Jesse Mahan out in California, she was a woman who had gone to a Pride event and went to a Walgreens and uh, was buying some stuff. She had to use the bathroom, so she went to go use the bathroom. And the Walgreens staff said, oh, no, we suspect that you're trans and we won't let you. And she's like... She's not trans. She's a cis woman. But if do a Google search on this. What you'll find is lots of like people policing bathrooms. And what they're doing is they're policing gender and finding women who aren't, uh, I guess, womanly enough to their standards and then accosting them and even sexually abusing them. Um, one woman was forced to pull down her pants and show her vagina to prove that she's, quote, a woman. New at six, a local woman ordered to expose her gender in the most graphic way possible, threatened too, after refusing such a vile request. But what's this about? And once again, she says, the lady demanded she expose herself. In my mind is I have a 15-year-old son and my seven-year-old baby that you were going to take my life or hurt me because you wanted to see my vagina. You wanted to make sure that I was a woman because I was in a bar you were in. The Cleveland LGBT Center has also spoken out on this woman's behalf. Well, the fact that the person isn't necessarily trans doesn't negate the fact that the issue still was that this person demanded to see another person's body. Ryan Clopton Zimler says in recent years, hate crimes targeting transgender people have been on the rise. One just two months ago here in Cleveland. This comes down to sexual assault. This was someone being publicly discriminated against, publicly attacked based on the assumption, the assumption of their gender identity. If you have any information you can share, please contact the Cleveland Police Department. So Jesse Mahan worked with uh, Walgreens there in California to address this problem. And so Walgreens wound up passing a policy for bathroom usage uh, that applies to all Walgreens uh, that is pretty much like targets. And so the right wing is losing its mind over this. Well, so this is working. Because they're boycotting Target, so I don't have to see them in Target. <laughs> That's right. Now they're boycotting. <laughs> you know, I presume they're going to boycott 
Wal- Walgreens, there's another place I don't have to see them. I do love Walgreens. <laughs> you know, may- maybe they'll boycott CVS and then they have trouble getting drugs because those are about the only two left around. And I-, I think this is working fine. So I want to read you a couple of things that the right wing is saying. Well, they only have one narrative. Yeah, certainly we are concerned about allowing biological males potentially posing a threat to the privacy and safety of women and girls. See, um, the threat may not be from people who identify as transgender, but predators who pass as transgenders to explore, exploit these policies. So wait, wait. Oh, now they're worrying about fake transgenders. Fake yes. trans people. Yes, yeah. fake trans people. Yeah, this is uh, going to be difficult. And, and that pa- was Peter's... Passable, pa- what is, passable, oh, no, stri- obviously, passable cis people? Apparently they aren't passable people. as yes. cis. Unreal. Yeah. 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 Uh, Peter Sprigg of the Family Research Council. That was his. And oh. this this comes from... This this other quote comes wait, from... Wait, yes. Are those the people that sent us the nasty letter? Uh, it could be. We get nasty letters. I know. We get a lot of <laughs> well, they, nasty you know, they, letters. There's, there's, there's several cease and desist nasty yeah. I think that was one of the groups that did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need to start like a scrapbook of all the cease and desist letters. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is from the American Family Association. Not the not the not to be confused with the American Family Values Association. This is the American Family Associations. Well, so their policy, they say Walgreens new policy welcomes men into women's restrooms in a shocking policy announcement. Walgreens has now directed its stores to allow men full and unrestricted access to women's restroom and all of its 8,000 plus stores. Once again, I'm just hoping they boycott so I don't have to see those people. <laughs> yeah, you know, and this is this is something that because I, I testified in front of city council during Hero and, and this is something I had brought up at, at one point was, you know, this entire false narrative that trans people are the predators when in fact they're normally the prey. Mm-hmm. And in fact, the, I, I t- and the whole bathroom, you know, narrative that was being used by the right and by opponents of Hero really just made me so mad, first of all, because it's ridiculous. But uh, second of all, because in 2012, me, a cisgender lesbian, I got attacked in a bathroom Mm -hmm. in New York City because, and at the time, and no one listening to this can see my hair right now, but I have have long hair right now. But at the time, I had a a shoulder length hair. (laughs) At at the time, my head was shaved. I was was a little Uh, bit more tomboy in my aesthetic. Uh, And... I went into the women's restroom in a in a pizza place um, in New York City, and they thought I was a boy going into the women's mm-hmm. restroom, and mm-hmm. it was it was eight guys and flipped out, and oh, so wow. I had a very terrible experience in that public restroom. But you know, so and and that's something I brought up at city council. I said, "I'm it's absolutely ridiculous. Like, trans people are normally the prey, not the other way around." Yeah, during the anti-hero thing, I got a call from a someone that I know who was, um, you know, and this is the height of all the hyperbole, the the radio stuff, the TV stuff that was out there. So she she went to go uh, try to use the bathroom. It was a single stall restroom, not even a group restroom. It was, you know, you close the door, there's one toilet, you lock the door. So she went to go use the bathroom and someone who apparently had heard a rumor that she was trans put her into a headlock 
they didn't go to jail? See, no, that's the no, part no. that bothers me because no. that, that... this was part. Uh, the context was kind of a um, religious group thing that's not supposed to be so right wing, but you know, apparently. Yeah, so I'm not big so, on those groups either. I might. <laughs> so this, so what happened was, you know, uh, the woman who assaulted the trans woman got a stern talking to, and uh, you know, but no jail to, time. No I'm going back time, to the no. jail. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. it's like wow. Well, I mean, the two known issues after false information was put out that some of the bathroom bills passed, which they didn't. That's right. The two known issues here in Houston were both people that happened to be uh, cisgender females going into a female restroom mm-hmm. that were stopped by a couple males who's like, well, you can't go in there. Right. And it's like, but. Yeah. Know. And that goes back to what you brought up, the policing, the gender yeah. police, just policing of femininity, policing of women. And, and let's remind people, the, the ones I'm talking about were in Houston. Houston has an ordinance that's been there since before 1963. Essentially, when you boil it down, it says that you can't go into a restroom to cause a disturbance. Mm-hmm. Anything crime, other than that is, is fine. Yeah, crime is yeah, wrong. And, and, <laughs> Which is know. sort of like, got it. It works perfectly fine. And, you know, uh, look, accosting someone, whether it's in the bathroom or not, is illegal. Raping someone, molesting someone, it's illegal. You know, equality doesn't make that legal. And it's I, the same illegal that it was before and will be later. Yeah, it's it's it's. It, it was illegal whenever the ERA was being considered. Yeah. It was... It, I was going to say something sort of interesting. Uh, interviewing a lot of the statewide candidates, uh, several of the statewide candidates have reported something very interesting in West Texas. They are having their rallies, and these are Democratic candidates that I'm talking about. And people show up as a group... Come over, say hello, introduce themselves, say, we aren't Democrats, we're Republicans, but we want to hear what you have to say. Hmm. And they sit there. According to them, it's like they don't have much change of expression or anything. They aren't excited, but they sit there and listen. And afterwards, in several instances, they've come up and said, we aren't voting Republican. We can't stand the stuff that's going on. Um, You're a possible choice of ours. We are just sick and tired of people basing everything on they have to protect us and that these are normally West Texas women in the restroom, several of them have flat said, I don't need protection. I bring my own <laughs> yeah, if I need it. In, in Texas especially, <laughs> an open yeah. carry state. And, yeah. <laughs> and then their next thing is, you know, we've dealt with the, quote, immigration problem and the, quote, illegals forever out here, and we consider them pretty much family, and we're just tired of the stuff that's going on. Hmm. And they said, this is just amazing to them because they aren't overly excited, but they're like, you know, I may not like Democrats in general, but I can't stand what's going on in Austin. Yeah, I mean, I think what I think it was Senator Sylvia Garcia, who last session had an amazing line um, that she was using that said classrooms, not bathrooms. You know, it was like, can we please focus on fixing all of these issues in Texas than worrying Mm -hmm. about where people are going to go to the bathroom? I mean, that's exactly why the Unity Banquet gave an award to Joe Strauss when he essentially said, I I don't think I'm not interested in restrooms and where people go. And I don't think Texas is either. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. the second round, he just said, you know, I'm just not going to be responsible for another transgender youth killing themselves. Yep. Right, right. And that's it. We're, we're good with him suddenly. But, you know, just the, I, I think what's insidious, uh, particular to this whole transgender thing, is it, it weaves in uh, such a 
it, it's embedded in such a culture of sexism. It uses this notion that when our women, our children, you notice need to be you always saved. put our in front of that, and they do too. Well, yes, they they do. <laughs> that they are property. Yes, right. we we must protect our women and our children from those you know those people, whoever they are out there, and and the product. What that does is um, it makes it bathrooms unsafe for women, whether you're cis, trans, or intersex, unless you, you know, look like the stereotypical woman, then now you have to deal with being possibly sexually assaulted, physically assaulted, or harassed for just peeing. Mm-hmm. That type of uh, coercive system is something that the right really wants to see. They really want women to be more traditional. They really want well, they punitive. They like the 50s version. Yeah, they yeah. really want punitive, um, you know, we're, we're going to put you in your place. You know, you're, what, what's going to happen is after maybe the second or third time you get assaulted, maybe you're not going to be so you know, expressive with their gender. Right. You'll be a little more um, modest, as they would say. Yeah. Well, you always blame the victim, though. I mean, that that's the only well, way that's, to go. Well, that's the thing. Which, you know, the thing that I always wonder, and, you know, being gender fluid, I use both restrooms at various times. And I always wonder what the right-wing males who are putting all this out think goes on in the women's restrooms. They, they seem to make this really big fantasy around it. Well, they do. They and, seem and I'm to like, have, it's like... Called do your thing, wash your hands, do what you need to do and get out. That's like every other restroom. <laughs> it's not a place that is like well, Mike you know, Huckabee, a movie thing. Wasn't it Mike Huckabee that uh, you know came out around the hero thing and said something to the effect of, well, you know what it's like to be a boy. You know, yeah. if, if, I, if it were up to me, I would be in there like, a sexually assaulting all these and women. That's I'm going, the problem. What the? Or that what he'd, he'd are be, you talking that, about? That he'd be cruising the bathroom. Yes. yes. Now, I wish someone had told me when I was in high school that I could have felt like a woman when it came time to take showers and PE. I'm pretty sure I would have found my feminine side and said, Coach, I think I'd rather shower with the girls today. But that sounds like Trump. You know, he didn't he like go in and cruise oh, he, yeah. the locker rooms oh, of absolutely. the women in this universe? Yeah. Yes. I'll go backstage before show yes and everyone's getting dressed and ready and everything else and you know no men are anywhere and i'm allowed to go in because i'm the owner of the pageant and therefore i'm inspecting it you know i'm inspecting right, i right. want to make sure that like everything is good you're, you're there. yeah the dress is everyone okay you know they're <laughs> yeah. standing there with no clothes is everybody okay and you see these incredible looking women and so i sort of get away with things like that so what happened when donald trump came backstage from your experience it was announced Donald Trump was going to come in, and before you could put a robe or, or kind of dress yourself, he walked in, and, um, you know, some women were half naked, others were in the process of changing. And it's sort of like, you know, I'm sorry, we aren't the problem. No, it's, it's really them. And, you know, you, you said 20 women have come forward. I read that this morning, yeah. 20 women. At least 20 women. At least 20 women have come forward. And, and you know, at this point, they have to be a little bit hesitant to come forward because it says something about your taste. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but uh, on a serious note, I know one of the Roy Moore accusers had her house burnt down. Oh, yeah. You know, this is not, you know, something that's simple to do, especially with someone as polarizing 
as Trump is, and my God, I've tried to interact with some of the Trump supporters, and it's like talking to someone who has been inducted into a cult wherein, you know, there's no wrong the man can do. And I truly believe that Trump is right whenever he said he could stand on Fifth Avenue and shoot someone in the face, and they would be okay with it. I now almost wonder with with Trump voters who are still supporting him, who are so, still so adamant in their support for him. I just, I mean, with everything that's happened and everything he's tweeted and everything he's said, I just feel like at this point they just don't want to be wrong. You know, and they're just like, well, and they're just like, well, shit, I did this and now I got to stick to it. Can't say anything else now. You know, I almost feel I don't even know if it's a a cult mindset so much as they're just like, oh, man, now I got to stick the path. It's a sunk cost thing. It's like, oh, I got this much into it. I'm I'm stuck with it. I got to go. I went this far. I got to just see it through until impeachment or until it's just over. I was talking to a trans person the other day mm-hmm. that after we talked about the thing that they called about um, they mentioned that they were a Trump supporter and we talked about that a little bit because I'm sort of like okay I'm, I'm not jumping all over you but how? <laughs> their biggest thing was that they spent their entire life being called names, lied about etc and they just liked watching other people deal with it. Huh. And I mean, I haven't heard that one yet. I hadn't either. And we (laughs) talked for quite a while. And that is their thing. They're like, I'm voting for him forever because everybody else gets to put up with the stuff I put up with my entire life. Like a a Batman Joker, like plot line or something. Oh, it is. I, I was, I was, you know, abused. And so therefore I want everyone else to feel my pain forever and ever. And that's exactly where she's coming from. And she, She's a nice person. I mean, I, it was not a horrible conversation by any means, but that is her whole reason for going with Trump. And she just it's laughed like, about the stuff he did that people are trying to figure out how to deal with. And I'm, you know, and then we talked about the fact that a lot of his rhetoric is making it okay to kill trans people. Right. That was not okay with her. And right. we talked about that in some detail. But she's like, but you don't have any idea how much I just enjoy watching everybody else take the stuff that I've taken my entire life. And I that I never heard before. It's like uh, the opposite of compassion, whatever that would be. Yeah. So um, tell me about this uh, Me Too thing that was going on on campus, oh, yes. University of Houston. I heard that there was some kerfuffle about that. Yeah, so I uh, I, I like to uh, do as little as possible. So in addition to being the <laughs> outreach director on a congressional <laughs> campaign, um, I am also a full-time uh, graduate, graduate student at uh, the University of Houston Graduate College of Social Work. I'm getting a master's in political social work. Mm. Um, and yes, there was a, a, a university-wide event that had been sent out um, around the Me Too movement. And uh-huh. in, in the title, it was hashtag me. And the title was somewhat problematic, I think. Um, but it was hashtag me too, a conversation, blah, 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 about the Me Too movement. Mm. And they had uh, not a single woman speaker. It was an entire lecture uh, being given by one man. Um, so I, I wrote a letter to the administration and um, 
supported, uh, I guess. Yeah, right. Yeah, it seems very me. Um, you know, basically saying uh, this looks like I'm. I'm glad the you know that we're we're having a conversation about this very important issue. Like, very happy about that. I do wish there had been a little bit more thought into who should be actually leading this conversation. Uh, maybe like a lady somewhere in there. Um, and and what I yeah like anywhere in there like anywhere like. <laughs> Sort of I, like searching the, the White House the, staff or something. In the background, like anywhere. Uh, not a single one. And um, and I, I, I got a response that was not related to my satisfaction, so I responded again. Uh, they, uh, they, they did end up changing the title, um, but they, they did not change the speaker format. But something, what did they change it to? They changed it to something like, it was, it was really long. Like, uh, uh, oh gosh, what was it? Transparency and ethical leadership in higher educational learning. Da, 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 blah, blah. Oh, like very, it's a very long title. Um, so just and, keep throwing words in yeah, until everybody gets but, tired and doesn't know what you're talking about. Yeah, you know, but and something I brought up in the first letter that I wrote is. I, I actually said that, you know, I highlighted the the fact that, first of all, women are disproportionately impacted by mm-hmm. this issue. And then I also brought up um, trans women and LGBT folks. Mm-hmm. I said this, is you know, this is like a really big issue for trans women, also for LGBT people, for women, for men as well. But actually what I quoted was, um, I think his name is Jim Beavers. Do you all know that? He's an actor. Yeah. Um, and he wrote a really amazing post. He's a victim of uh, molestation himself. Mm. And he wrote a long post about how he did not feel that he, he did not feel that he had a role in the Me Too movement, even as a victim. He or as a survivor, he felt like his role was to say, I believe you not to say me too. Mm. And I thought that was so powerful. And so I I had said that. And then also, along you know, along the same lines, you know, I know this is an issue that impacts not just women, obviously, but, you know, a lady speaker Certainly. on a on a conversation <laughs> like that might not be the worst idea. I think right. that would be a good idea. Yeah. Wow. So instead <laughs> of uh, addressing that, they, they changed the title to uh, Word Some, Salad yes, and yes. Uh, yeah. proceeded. This just feels a whole lot like in the 70s. Uh, when you found a problem with, uh, oh, like a computer operating system, they would simply change the documentation and make right. it a feature. And I, and I want to, and I, and I want to be clear that it was not, it was not an event put on by the Graduate College of Social Work. The Graduate College of Social Work students were the ones who brought concern up to the oh. university. It was a university-wide event. Yeah. Do you know who did? Social workers it? are are heroes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they are. They are. I love a good social worker. Yeah. Oh, you know, you're being too nice, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, one of those not real sciences, you know. I would agree with that. <laughs> oh, Alexis, we were doing so well on this podcast. <laughs> it's just 
like psychology. It's not a real science either. Oh my god. Oh my god. Now, oh, okay. Now, economics, on the other hand. Yeah, and it's also. I mean, people people think social work. They think CPS immediately. Oh And yeah. so when I actually said when I told some people I was going to graduate school to get my mas- my masters of social work, they said, "But you hate children." I said, "You're, you're right." <laughs> I said, "You're you're that, you're absolutely right." I do. I I, I, I only a little bit. Um, and, and I and I said, "No, I, I'm going. I'm going to the University of Houston specifically because they are the only university in the country with a political social work specialization." So what what does that even mean? Political social work. So political social work is essentially gearing you up to become a uh, a leader in advocacy, government, politics, public policy. Mm-hmm. What I like to say is it's I'm essentially getting a public policy degree without having to do any math. Oh, so no, okay. no stats. I don't want to become a pollster, you know, but it's, it's politically geared. Um, so I'm, I'm enjoying it immensely. I, I hate say. statistics. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Me too. I was having I, no part of that. I had an excellent statistics course. Really? Part of, yeah. Part of my economics degree. <sighs> In fact, it was one of my favorite courses. It was a 500 really? level at Purdue. It was Jesus called line. Christ. It was called line with statistics. <laughs> In, the entire class AKA was how you the can, Republican Party or whoever else you want, because the entire class was how you can legitimately skew things the way you want to get right. any answers you want out of any set of data. But, and, you know, it's almost it like you have great. to learn a new language with all these new weird symbols and stuff. What, a pie oh, the, hat? What the hell is I that? Say, the cool thing is if you start using all the Greek symbols. There's only three people in the world that know what they mean. So you don't really have to know what they mean. Just throw three or four of them together and everyone will be like, oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, my gosh. So political social work, Mm -hmm. um, that gets you geared towards being, uh, I I guess, is is that working to get you involved in politics or... yeah, so I actually, what I'm trying to figure out right now and, and, and working on a campaign has been helpful with this is because I, I uh, was doing issue advocacy for a number mm. of years in Texas mm-hmm. um, and now I'm working on a, a campaign again. And so what I'm kind of trying to figure out is I, I know I want to stay in politics, but I feel like I need to pick a lane. So I don't know if mm. I want to do electoral work or issue advocacy. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm kind of trying to figure that out now. Hmm. Yeah, but the um, actually the Graduate College of Social Work has an event coming up on April 11th, and Laverne Cox is our keynote, which is very exciting. Who's that? <laughs> Never heard of her. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're super excited, super super excited to have her. Okay, when is this, and where is it? April 11th, uh, mm-hmm. and that is going to be at uh, oh gosh, what's the venue? The Post Oak. The Post Oak. Yes, and there are tickets available still. So April 11th. It's School of Social Work. You've assured that you'll get no accountant. <laughs> it's right before tax day. Right before tax day. Oh my gosh, thank you for the reminder. That, that, that's yes. a really good way to put it. You know, it's like we can exclude the accountants. Because, you know, they're the number people. We'll get around this. Huh. What is at stake on this upcoming election? Let's say, um, you know, people, again, are apathetic Less than half of the registered voters in Texas voted last last election. Let's say that that happens again, and there is no switch in either the House or the Senate, and Trump maintains full control. What does that mean for queer kids in school? What does that mean for workers, LGBT workers? What does that mean? I mean, what is the price that we are going to pay, the real-world price, for not stopping 
Trumpism in its tracks? Well, there's several different directions you have to look at it. To begin with, let's talk about equality. Okay. You can forget about it. Right. We, we are, I mean, right now we have really not regressed as far as a lot of people think we have because we're in, they wish we were regressing. Now, now hold on. Let me just play devil's advocate here. Now, whenever I raise that issue to Trump supporters, what they say to me is, we are the party of Lincoln. We are the party of equality. We, we have been pro-equality. Democrats were the ones supporting the Klan 100 years ago. Absolutely. What do you, what do you say to that? It's, is it's really, the party of Trump the party of equality? Of course not. And the difference is that that actually started switching at about Nixon time frame. And we could go through all the details about why it switched and all like that. I was sort of alive and but it did switch. But it did switch. And, mm-hmm. and the whole bit. And then we rolled the Tea Party in. And then we rolled the people who make the Tea Party look almost reasonable. Uh, and I don't know what they are or where they came from, but they're the like ridiculous they're ones. The and then people. we got the Trump people mm-hmm. who, who actually don't care about anything except themselves. Mm-hmm. And you look at everybody involved in that, and that's all they care about. The biggest thing they don't want to have to do is be worried about other people. Mm. And, and that's what you get with equality. So equality is just going to move backwards really fast if, if that occurs. My guess is that they would find some way to disenfranchise women after they've disenfranchised the trans community and the blacks and everything else. I mean, it's just going to start rolling backwards. But let's forget about that. Let's talk about the economy for a bit. Right now, the economy is running pretty high. Stock market's running really high. Stock market's running high on expectations. you got to remember, the stock market is actually just gambling. Mm -hmm. I I mean, it's just like Las Vegas. You're betting that someone else is going to buy something at a higher rate than you are, and you'll cash in on your little bit and, and go with that. Well, if it goes above normal, it has to go down below normal for just the same amount. And it mm-hmm. usually does that with some pretty major crashes. We had a, a scare. It didn't nice quite go down. Crash, yeah. But it, it started to, and that was just on a minor little pullback. There is a point when it'll just crack. There just is not enough to support it, and it will drop. Now, the stock market doesn't actually destroy anything with the economy other than expectations. Mm-hmm. Because... It is just the stock market, and that's what a lot of people don't realize. I mean, the business down the street where you go get your you know, breakfast or something like that really isn't affected by it. Mm. Now, capital is affected a little bit, but capital is another one of those things that's sort of questionable. So a lot of that stuff is artificial, except you now get people who are totally depressed because they don't think they can live on because of the economy being so bad, et cetera, et cetera. So that's going to be a really big problem. And and what usually happens when you start to get these major swings is the Wall Street stockbrokers start making even more money. They just need volatility. And a few of them will be caught and those sorts of things. So you've got that side of it. But how do you fix all of those things? There's two things that you do typically. One is you inflate it out because we have huge debt right now. We're running up debt like you wouldn't believe mm-hmm. in the country. So you inflate it out. So all of a sudden, the carton of milk that you buy or the gallon of milk you buy for like $2.80 or something like that becomes $15. Well, guess what? You can pay off your debt with cheap dollars. It's all fine. And it works its way up there really slow. I mean, I hate to quote Rush Limbaugh, but he had it exactly right with the gas prices. He's like, you know, they're running them up, so you'll think the ridiculously high price is actually good. And that's exactly mm-hmm. what was being done. 
with gasoline prices. You know, at one point in time, we were up to around $4 a gallon some places. And then when it dropped back to two eighty, two ninety, we thought that was great. Now, as we were coming up from a dollar to two eighty or two ninety, <laughs> we thought it was horrible. So it's, it's just a reset of expectations. So that, that will happen. And so you'll have to earn a whole lot more money. <clears throat> That's sort of how they get it, Social Security and Medicare and all those things, because if they don't up the benefits, then everybody that's on those programs just took a big reduction. Well, so, I, I heard that uh, like food stamps is going to be replaced by boxed, what is it? Blue boxed? Apron. Blue well, Apron boxes. Yeah, yes. <laughs> well, not exactly. Okay, but, it's but canned goods. Think, yeah, but think about this for a minute. Not only do they want to tell you how to do other things, they want to tell you what to eat. Well, no, no, no. This is Republicans are the party of small government, getting government out of your life, off your back. So uh, the way that they do that is taking up Russia's program of communism (laughs) and and sending boxes of canned goods to families to Mm -hmm. control what they eat. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, if you do it just right, you can actually make sure that they don't really have the energy necessary to rebel. <laughs> yeah, I think we'll, that, we'll make it all low protein. Yeah, we'll, oh we'll keep gosh. it low protein and just keep the calories sort of in the middle and, and all like that. It's really easy to do. And who knows, maybe you start throwing some flavoring and preservatives in there, potassium <laughs> nitrate. And, you know, it's like, let's just cut down the birth rate of those people. Well, and, it's, <laughs> I, well, and I, I think I saw somewhere last night that it's it's going to be far more expensive. Like right now, food stamps oh, are yeah. Of course. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, they're going up to, from like $1.37 a meal to like 10 bucks. Right now, if you look at it, it is never a good idea to have one major party in charge of everything. Mm. Um, I, I would argue we actually don't have one major party in charge of everything because I don't think the Republicans are being in charge of much yeah. other than just sitting there and watching <laughs> Trump do his thing. Yeah. I right. mean, if, if, if they were more in charge, I'd probably like it a lot better. I may not like the things they're doing, but at least a they would have bit. some mm-hmm. thoughts. Right. And, and so, you know, that is a huge concern. It, it's almost like here in Texas. I've never understood why all the Republicans are scared to death of Dan Patrick. But they are. They are, yeah. And they, they will not buck him for anything. And I've never understood that. It's like the Republicans in Congress. They're sitting there. And- but Paul Ryan, like, isn't that the issue that Paul Ryan, if he acts against the Freedom Caucus, the Freedom Caucus can call to have him, you know, replaced? No, it takes the majority vote. I also think he would prefer that. I mean, he's already planning his <laughs> I mean, exit. Whenever you, know? you I'm see like, him on TV, it, it looks like his face is melting. Oh, he's yeah. like, he, I mean, he never wanted to be speaker in the first place. I mean, I'm just if if I were Paul Ryan and thank God I'm not but you know like (laughs) I just go for it like my gosh at at some point you have to say you know this is what I think is right it's what I'm doing I really don't care what you people do he's you know well past the point where he gets a good pension for life uh Mm. why should he care and just think he can go on the talk show circuit right and and he could write books i mean there are so many things he could do right now if he just sort of said hey i'm just gonna do what i think's right and not worry about now i actually think that that's happening with a lot of the republican party the Mm. number of sort of longtime republican politicians who've been in office who've said you know what i'm I'm not running again yep i Mm -hmm. quit it, it's interesting because you look at their races, uh, you know, like uh, TXO2. Uh, you look at that particular race down here and gosh, I think the incumbent just decided it wasn't going to be a fun race. Yep. I, <laughs> Culbertson, I have no clue what he's thinking because th- this, this race is going to be pure hell for him. Um, and it's just not the way he's had it before. But he's sticking it out so far. I, it wouldn't surprise me if at the last minute he just said, you know, 
I'm going to withdraw. Ah. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and it actually messes up all the Democratic strategies because they've been running against him. <laughs> and, and, you know, his, his opponents on the Republican side aren't that strong. <laughs> but, but, you know, you, you look at all this, and, and the biggest thing is we need to get back to some sense where the government actually serves us as opposed to just their own um, interest, if you will. And, and, well, and we don't have when, that now. When was there a time when that was the case? How do you sit down and have a serious conversation about issues with people who don't care about evidence? Where, I mean, how do you... It's how really do, simple. Okay. You go to the polls, you vote for the people who do that we're running right now, <laughs> and you replace those people. Okay, okay. And, so, and I mean, you know, if you replace half of them, uh-huh. you'll probably be in good shape because, you know, like it or not... Truth does win. Right now, the people who actually understand that lies are lies and act on them, they're too afraid to say anything. So remember, we need you to get out and vote. We need you to bring your friends to the polls. We need you to get other people to register. And if you need help registering, go to the Trans Advocate. You can find a link right there on the front page that will help you register. Um, You know, get involved. You know, there's no reason to post on social media about resistance and whatever and the various memes. If you're not doing the footwork and the footwork looks like getting out, voting, getting involved in real life, off of the computer, nothing is going to change. And we have a real chance to make some change. But if we do what we did last election, it's going to get so much worse for us. And we can't, we cannot afford that. And our children cannot afford that. And there's another thing, too. It's actually sort of fun. We make a party out of most things. I'm sorry. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. You can have fun. This again, Just, I mean, please go out, get people involved, do the right thing, and vote no matter what. So thank you for listening to another Trans Advocate podcast. We'll catch you next week. Same time, same bat channel. Oh, God, not a bat channel. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Um, And can you say once again, when is the Laverne Cox event? The Laverne Cox event is April 11th at the Post Oak. Okay. Awesome. All right. And we'll have more information about that in the show notes. We'll see you next week. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Trans Advocate Podcast. Before you go, we want to make sure you know about a couple of our programs that might help you or someone you know. If you're trans, intersex, or genderqueer, and are a victim of a disaster, we can help with our Trans Disaster Relief Fund. And if you're going to college, university, or trade school, you can apply for one of our scholarships. Located in Houston, Texas, we hold weekly support group meetings and run the only community-owned transgender archive that's open to the public. Also, please keep in mind that our 2018 Houston Transgender Unity Banquet will be held Saturday, September 15, 2018. If you'd like to learn more about any of this, just go to transadvocate.com. We are a project of the Transgender Foundation of America, a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Your support makes what we do possible. 
Resistance means nothing without supporting elected officials who won't attack trans, intersex, and queer children in our schools. They can't vote, so you're going to have to do it for them. If you live in the U.S. and are not registered to vote, we can help you with that at our site. Register and vote no matter what. The Trans Advocate Podcast was produced by Kristen Williams. All rights reserved. This episode featured music by Topher Moore and Alex Lehner, as well as the 126ers. Q&A narration was provided by Tiana Hansen. Archival material was provided by Channel 5 News in Cleveland, as well as CNN. The Trans Advocate is a project of the Transgender Foundation of America, a 501c3 nonprofit. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the Trans Advocate or the Transgender Foundation of America.